Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 3rd, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 72, paragraph 1, chapter 6, Into Action. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Rabia M., 12 Traditions, Julie R., readers of the text, Marie P., Marcella M., and Sylvia F. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, June 2nd, 2014, is 6414. 6414. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rabia M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. My name is Rabia, and I am a newly recovered compulsive overeater. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. I will now ask Julie R. to read the Twelve Traditions. Hi, this is Julie in California, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, 
The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you all, Paul. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 72, starting with the first paragraph, we're starting a new chapter, chapter 6, into action. And I will ask Marie P. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Marie P., a recovered compulsive overeater. Melanie, thank you for being there. Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which when completed, will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. I'd like to share on this. Um, 
Uh, the first the first part of this paragraph, having made our personal inventory, um, would direct us to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. I have to say that finding my defects of character and and relating that to my sponsor. Uh, showed me how much anger and resentment that I had at God. And doing the fifth step uh, opened the door. And now I can honestly say I love my God. I'm no longer angry and resentful at him. And I've acknowledged that the anger and resentment probably should have been at myself because I'm the one that had the defects of character that drove me away from my God. When I was doing the fifth step with my sponsor, um, it was like a, a, a cleansing. And it was so great because my sponsor shared with me when she identified with what I had to say. And that made me feel like you know, I wasn't the originator of all these defects of character. I was just one of the group. And that we all have defects and we don't have to have the shame and guilt because of them. Uh, We can get rid of them doing our fifth step. And And when I did my fifth step, it helped erase the shame and it helped with my compulsion to eat. It helped get rid of that compulsion. And that's all I have to share. I pass. Thank you, Marie. Who would like to comment on what was read? Hi. This is Larry. I heard somebody say hi just before Larry. Can you repeat your name, please? I think I said it after Larry, Janice. Okay, I think I heard somebody just before Larry. Oh, so we'll go this way then. Let's go with Larry and Janice, and we'll catch up with the other one later. Hi, Larry. Good morning. Thank you. You Good morning, Uh, Melanie. Thanks so much. Uh, Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. I thought I heard Kelsey, but I, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay, so um, you know, into action, um, we're we're trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and discover the obstacles in our path. And you know, into action is um, you know when I, when I first read this, really, you know, my my way of approaching this was it might as well have been written as a, as um, into contemplation, analysis, and debate. You know, it's it really though. I learned um, over time and was taught that you know th- this chapter, as we embark on it, is really an invitation for doers, not those who are intent to remain on the sidelines. Um, and if I wanted to have a new relationship with my Creator, uh, because the one I had, I, I certainly um, thought I had, you know, an understanding of of God, uh, a spiritual understanding, 
um, I just didn't have access to it. And this whole process, this whole practical program of action is a process by which we gain access to our higher power. And that's what I needed. And so, um, you know, I went about this um, at a certain point, um, you know, immediately after five years of contemplation, analysis, and debate um, of, you know, admitting some of my, my defects uh, to another, to myself, God, and to another. I thought it was okay just to have them in my mind, and if they were in my mind to, to a certain extent, then, then my creator was aware of them, and that was good enough. Um, but I had to shine the spotlight. There was something, some power in the dynamic of sharing with another individual. Could be a sponsor, or a sharing partner of some kind, someone that understood, you know, what I was trying to get at here, which was to, you know, to do this archaeological dig and uncover, you know, the the, the grosser handicaps and, and to share, you know, my role in it clean up my side of the street. And so that was the case for me. And I, and I think, uh, you know, one thing when I first went about it in taking this action was I thought, well, I'm going to still hold on to some of the, you know, some of the real messy stuff, you know, maybe one or two of those things I'm not going to share. Or, you know, I'm going to share some things with this person because, of course, I have a crystal ball and I know that they will be able to respond well, but maybe not to this. And then I'm going to, you know, share this with someone else. And I'm going to spread it out, you know, all looking for a, a softer, middle-of-the-road solution. Um, I had, for me, you, your your situation may be different, but um, I had to share all of that with with uh, with the person, you know, so that I was really getting it out there. And what it says here then is that, you know, it means it requires action, of course, and when completed, means that we've admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. And so this brings us to the fifth step. And, um, you know, I, I understood then what the trouble was. And, and I was able to build upon that by taking action. Because, again, as I was often taught, you know, this program is not for people who want it. It's not necessarily for people who need it. I see every day people who need this program, <laughs> perhaps. But it's for people who do it. And um, and so that's what I do today, every day, um, on this call. And I do it. And step five, um, it's, it's amazing where I'll wrap up and say, step five for me is something that has become part of my, you know, uh, part of my daily stuff, that it's easier now for me to admit defects as they come up and to it to another person to myself and God and it just becomes second nature and now I do have access to my higher power and access that I never had before so I'm very grateful thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous and with that I'll pass thank you hi Gannon. hi I'm Kathleen and I'm an alcohol I, I'm a um I'm a food addict and hi I'm Kathleen I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Janice go first she's in line and I'll have you go next okay thank you Thank you. Hi, Janice. Yes, thank you, Melanie, um, for your service and all that you do. My name is Janice M. I'm from Massachusetts, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. For those of us, for those of us, for those that are new um, in OA or don't know what the fifth step is, I'm going to read it. We admitted to God, it's not we, but it's admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Okay, now the first sentence tells us that we already did this. We already made a personal inventory 
okay? Now, we got all this work. We got it on paper. Um, uh, we, we know that what we didn't do, this, this, this inventory isn't written to make us feel bad. It makes us, it, it, it makes us aware of what we have to change. And um, into action, it, it, just what it says, into action. It's not, uh, it's not into hearing what to do about it. It's not into uh, thinking. It's not into studying and reading the steps. It's into action, which, which involves some movement. And, of course, we're trying to change. That's why we, we see what we did in our fourth step. Now we're trying to change to, be, to get a better attitude, to get a new relationship with our creator. And through that fourth step, we discovered, you know, from my experience, I discovered the obstacles in my path. I, I, I realized I was resentful. I was fearful. I did harm to others, you know. So now um, these have to be cast out, not by me, because I can't do that. I can't do those things. So they're going to be cast out. So how are they going to be cast out? Well, this is what the chapter is going to teach us, teaches me, that it requires action. See, that fourth step is the beginning. It's the beginning. Remember, we read that yesterday. It's the beginning on how to complete these steps, especially five, six, and seven. And the most important thing in this particular step, it has three parts. You know, we have to we admit it to God. That's one. To ourselves and to another human being. Another human being. That means a person, a live person. Um, the exact nature of our wrong. Not just a confession, but the exact nature of our wrongs. And when Bill talks about wrongs, he uses that word, and then he uses uh, shortcomings, and he uses defects, and, and in those days maybe sin. So they all mean the same thing. So um, I used to say, well, what, what's a defect? You know, I know my defects. I mean, uh, um, the main thing is selfish, self-centered, dishonesty. You know, I found that in my fourth step. So um, that's what this chapter is going to teach us, how to get rid of these. We don't just do it and leave it in the middle of the floor or put it away in a drawer. And uh, thank you, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. And Kathleen, can I get the first initial of your last name before you begin sharing? Kathleen M. Thank you. Good morning to you. Thank you. Um, I am uh, new to... OA, but I'm not new to 12-step programs. Um, I am, I just, I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, Last night I found myself at Dunkin' Donuts at 3.45 in the morning, and it wasn't a pretty sight with, like, muffins being thrown out the window, and it was kind of a nightmare, and I haven't really been since February with the exception of this weekend. I'm more on the restrictive end of the of the spectrum. Um, I did speak with my sponsor last evening, and then I binged anyway. And I, um, I have done the 12 steps in another fellowship, but I realize now that my fourth and my fifth step weren't really as thorough as they should have been. And I'm very anxious to 
work my way up to that point because I really feel that my answer lies with a higher power. And I'm just so tired of being in either one addiction or the other, getting one under control and the other really manifesting itself. Um, I just needed to speak out and say that today. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you. I this is Bella. Can I share? Yes. Good morning, Bella. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. We have been trying to get a new attitude. Wow, it's such a relief. It's such a freedom. A new attitude, and I would say a new belief. Yes, I changed my belief. I have now a new belief. My belief is that I have a wonderful creator, creator, a respectful higher power, a, a, a loving father, and therefore I feel safe and secure. Yes, I change my belief. I am a happy, thankful human being. Yes, I am allowed to do mistakes, and not because something is wrong with me, because I am human being, and I am not perfect, and I will never be perfect. I am looking for progress and not for perfect. I learn to accept myself and therefore to be connected to my creator, to my higher power. I am not angry. I am not anxious. I am not jealous. I am just learning to accept myself and to be myself, to be God's messenger to do the message that God wants for me and not to do my own, my own will. No, not at all. I change my belief. And, and we see in step four that it's to, um, we admit it to God, to ourselves and to another human being. First to God. Yes, I am not afraid anymore. I am not scared anymore. Yes, I learned to be honest and to give over my character defect to God because I know that I will not be punished. I will not be blamed and judged because of those character defects. I will be accepted. And now I am willing to learn what can I do with these character defects? Not to put them under the carpet and to say, no, 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 I don't have any character defects. No, I have character defects, and I want to, to deal with them and to change my way of behaving, to change, to be, to act and to behave different because I, I, I change my relationship to, to God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Lonnie from Florida. I'm sorry, I didn't hear your name. Bonnie oh, I did. Florida? Hi, I did hear it. Thank you, Lonnie. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, Lonnie P. from Florida, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, thinking back to when I first gave my fourth step away, um, that was the first time that not only had I worked through that to identify where where I was to blame and to be able to see my side of things instead of just carrying around all that anger, but it was the first time that I trusted another human being and gave them, gave this to them, you know, the sponsor that I was working with. And I wasn't shunned. <clears throat> if anything, this person related to me. And it was the beginning of my allowing myself to be vulnerable with another human being and share what I consider to be my deepest, darkest secrets, you know, and things that I was so deeply ashamed about. And what it did for me, the entire process was not only did most of my resentments go away, but I began to open myself up to others and to open myself up to, you know, a higher power and recognizing that that power was even helping me do the fourth step and then the fifth step to give it away. And this was the beginning of a new me, you know, and was it hard to do the fourth step? Absolutely. You know, I was just, because I was scared. But when I got through it, the blessings and the growth and the, the freedom from my resentment was so incredible that I would do it again and again, because when I don't give these things away, when I hold on to them, then they fester and they grow. And I know somebody on this meeting once mentioned when we harbor that we're, we're tied to the docks, we're tethered, you know, and that's me like carrying those things around like a ball and chain. And when I give them away, when I don't let these secrets just hide within me, then I, I have a new freedom and a new happiness. And I'm connecting with my higher power and with others. And with that, I continue to grow. So, so each time, whether I'm doing a four-step or a fifth-step or a daily ten-step, basically those are the things and helping others is what's keeping me in recovery today. You know, um, and really I just, I'm, in, I'm completely grateful for the process and, and for the continued growth. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lonnie. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Lois. Hi, this is Jenica. I hear Lois and then Jenica. Good morning, Lois. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Lois. I recovered in Massachusetts. And um, I, I, I'd like to just mem- remember that um, somebody mentioned this to me once in, in the beginning of my recovery, that this, this book was written by alcoholics to help alcoholics, you know, to show us a way out. And and um, and I, I I hooked on to that. First of all, I hooked on to it because I needed to, because I needed a way out, and I was willing to uh, give it a try. And of course, I had to be abstinent before I did this because I had tried many, 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 many times. And it wasn't until I was willing to surrender that I was powerless. I could not do it, and God gave me the grace to begin to do this work. And um, my, I, I had been living, you know, for many years in in torture, mentally obsessed with a, a negative outlook on life, and it had been a total change for me. 
and um, and everything I saw, I I felt as though people weren't giving me what I needed, you know. And then I would try to force my way on it again, and you know, my my mental obsessions, like the the resentments and the anger and the fear, were just deepening and deepening. And no matter what I did, I couldn't I I couldn't find a way out. So I was willing to go to any lengths. And and uh, lasting in the world, I never ever would have had the courage to admit when I learned and I went through this was to look at my attitudes because I, you know, of course, because I was in my disease and I had this obsession of the mind, you know, to uh, use everyone. But when I started to, you know, begin to see that I was going to have to say I was selfish, you know, for me that was that was poison. That was like suicide in my in my world. So, but you know, as and the brilliant genius of a way that, you know, this was presented in this book, you know, uh, was was just so it unfolded for me, you know, and and my sponsor helping me do this, that I was able to see that these, you know, the the world that I was living in was created by my my actions, my attitudes, my beliefs, and um, and. Instead of trying to change people, places, and things all my life, you know, I could see right away that uh, it was the way I thought, my belief system, and, and that I could, if, if I could change myself, I really did. I was relieved. I could do this. Then, you know, that I could, I could feel better. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted relief. And so, you know, thus began my recovery road my road to recovery and of course it was just a beginning you know this was this was a method i could apply to my life all at once to learn what what the root cause was but then you know it had to be practiced one day at a time in order for me to keep it and and thus you know uh that that was my road and and here i am today i am recovered you know i i have learned uh, about my the nature of my disease and i stay in close contact with my higher power and work this program one day at a time. And with that, I am guaranteed, you know, a a wonderful day of abstinence, a wonderful day of living up to spiritual principles that I've learned that, you know, will will guarantee me again, you know, a a loving, peaceful life. So with that, I'm very, very grateful and I'm going to, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Jenica. Hi there, everybody on Visions for You. This is Jenica, a compulsive overeater. I'm really happy to be on the meeting this morning. I tried to get on a a couple days ago and got interrupted and never was able to jump back on. But um, the thought that occurs to me from this reading, you know, the fifth step, is is a very simple one, which is that um, I, I, I guess, guilt and shame are poison in my life. And um, when I share my defects with my higher power, when I admit them to myself, and honestly, most powerfully for me, the experience of sharing it with another person um, relieves me of that guilt and that shame about my defects. So instead of my defects, dominating me or or me trying to run away from them or they them just creating this huge ball of anxiety and fear in my life, I um, get to ask myself, what are my defects telling me? 
why do I hold on to these defects? Let's take a look at um, me and and my defects and sift through them and, and, you know, ask myself, do I want to be doing these things anymore? Is this creating um, stress in my life or is this creating happiness? And as far as defects go, you know, the answer is normally that I, I want to ask for them to be removed. But when I can get a good, clear look at them um, and let go of the shame involved and the just trying to hide, then I get to learn so much about myself and there is really a deep forgiveness for myself. Um, and that's all I'm going to share today. Thanks. I'm going to pass. Thank you. Who else would like to share before we move on to the second paragraph? Hi, Melanie. Hi, good morning. Hi, Melanie. This is Mary Lou, recovered in Southern California. Good morning, Mary Lou. You'll be our last one before we move on. Good morning. Okay, hi. I just want to kind of piggyback on the last share and and say that when I did my fifth step, what I felt was my higher grace. I felt a lot of grace. Um, um, Grace, like the punitive damning, um, shameful, all of that within was melted away. And I was able to see myself as, as God sees me. And and it's grace, you know. Um, and that's what I feel now is grace for myself and for others that are going through the process. Is, uh, it melts away all of the shame. And... Um, I'm willing to stop using my drug of food, excess food, and for me, sugar and flour. Um, stop using that to placate uh, the boogeyman of shame and get closer to my higher power and develop that love for my higher power, whoever he or she or it is, and mature in that way through the next process of you know, five, six, I mean, not five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, so that's what I wanted to say. And, and also uh, I wanted to say quickly and then I'll stop. Um, I wanted to thank you, Melanie, for the opportunity earlier a few weeks ago to take that service position um, of people greeter and newcomer greeter. I wasn't able, I apologize, to follow through with that because I'm in a really bad location for phone reception. So I just wanted to say that, too, because I never got to kind of clear that up, and it stayed in my heart, and I felt like I needed to kind of say something out loud about it, and I want to thank you for the opportunity, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to, um, you know, follow through with with that service position. But um, anyway, it's Mary Lou recovered in California, and I just wanted to say that about Grace. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. I will now ask Marcella M. to please read the second paragraph. Marcella, are you with us? Press star one. Uh, Yeah, I'm coming. Can you hear me now? I can. Good morning. Oh, good. Okay. Um, Thank you, Mary. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is that about that. In actual practice, we actually 
we, shall, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why, should do, why we should do so. The best reason first. If we keep this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wonder why they fell. We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fairness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life stories. Uh, my name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so this is, this is really interesting. We have to remember that at the very, very beginning, the first 100 used to do the steps where they were not prepared for the whole process, the six tenants. In a matter of hours, it was just like six, seven hours. So we read that the third alcohol is recovered immediately, immediately, and then he did the steps. So the fourth step and the fifth step is just the first time in which I follow a certain line of thinking, but it's just the first time. It might be the most spectacular time because, you know, I carry my whole, you know, trash bag along with me and give it to others, but it's just the first time in which I follow this line of thinking. So I don't know about yourself, but um, when I was in the food, my closet was a mess. I had size 10, 12, 14, 16, and a size 10 and 8 that I think I, I kept it just with a hope that one day I would fit it again. And it was terrible. And every morning I would open my closet and I said, what am I wearing today? And I, my closet was packed with things. Of, my, my, my closet was packed with nothing to wear. Well, that was, that was my soul. That was my personality trait. I was a mess. And my soul and my heart and my conscience and my awareness was packed with everything that didn't work. And it was taking a lot of space with obsessive thoughts and with fear and with shame. And I would pick up some more along the day because I didn't know what else to do. So what happens in the fifth step? I open the closet of my soul and I find the hideous purple dress that I wear when I was a bridesmaid 15 years ago that is this horrible space in my closet doesn't fit anymore. And I look sad wearing it anyway. Why in the world do I keep that in my closet? Why, why, why? Well, in the fifth step, I open and I discuss everything with another person because self-appraisal is insufficient. Surprise, surprise. If we go back to the page 60 and 61, what is everything that begins with self is probably not very useful when it comes to us. Self-appraisal brings us to self-pity. Self-pity brings us to self-delusion. Self-delusion brings us to the fridge. So this is the very beginning of a lifetime practice, discussing our will with somebody else. When it comes to food, I don't know what I want. Well, now I do because I'm recovered and I'm happy. But 
before that, I thought I wanted chocolate cake. I just thought. And my body told me more, 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 more. And I really thought I wanted that. Was I right? I was not right. I was fortuning myself. Same thing with a, with a fifth step. I might be consumed by fear and shame because that's my MO. I don't do anger very well. But shame and fear, I'm a master. So I do shame and fear because everything, I mean, everything that startles me and doesn't go my way gives me shame and fear. So before I do anything, before I start thinking, you know, I write my four columns. How am I self-thinking? How am I dishonest? How am I unwilling to accept reality on life terms? How am I fearful? And then I discuss it with somebody else, and it's a reality check that brings me back to a way of thinking that works and functional, a way of thinking that allows me to have my closet beautiful, my completely arranged in harmony. When I open my closet and I say, I'm wearing this today. What is my surprise? I was so upset of letting go of my own weight because my fear was I would be naked and vulnerable. I will I have no shape. I will have no identity. If all my pieces of character are taken away from me, what is left? What is left of me? Well, to my endless surprise, my closet is completely organized, packed with wonderful new things new emotions and a new approach to life, a new approach to life that works, a wonderful way of thinking that allows me to hold a cushion job, be happily married, wear beautiful clothes that fit, die for. I have summer clothes that fit, winter clothes that fit, everything in order. I'm not worried about what I'm going to eat next because I know where my next meal is. And I'm not hungry because I just ate. What a wonderful life. So if you're new, just coming, keep coming, go to the website, get one of the 173 names that are there, and call somebody and connect. This program works. It's very simple, and it works if you just keep coming back and give it your best. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Who would like to comment on what was read? This is Katie F. Hi, good morning, Katie. Hi, good morning. This is Katie F, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And this is a really huge paragraph. Um, but I just, um, you know, in, in also, I unmuted twice to get on earlier, but never managed. Um, so in looking at these uh, two paragraphs, it's talking about taking our fifth step. And you know, it, it's not enough to, um, to just, in actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. And, you know, that is still true today. You know, I did a fifth step. I've done many fifth steps. But I have to keep doing this action of, of, um, of looking at my behavior. And when I see that there's some behavior that's not right, and I realize that I've messed up and I need to make amends, um, I find that I have to share that with another person. You know, I don't share it with the grocery clerk. I don't share it with, you know, someone involved that would not understand. 
and I, I don't share it with, um, you know, total strangers. I can practice my own anonymity, but I do have a group of people and I have a sponsor that um, help me to see myself and to see my part. You know, it's not to, to get, um, you know, sympathy and, um, or accolades. It's to clear the wreckage of my past. And my past could be an hour ago. You know, I woke up in a bad mood. I yelled at my husband. I kicked the dog, whatever it is, um, which I didn't do those things today. But, um, you know, I could. I could. I'm not perfect. This is not a once and done thing. And then you're thinking, you know, okay, well, I do this. And then what happens? No, it's a, it's a continuous process that we, we, we talk about what's going on in our lives and we continue to clean the house, you know, and, and house cleaning is such a perfect word for this because, you know, you don't move into your house, get everything all in order as Marcella was just describing, everything is all in order. Well, I guarantee that every time she does her laundry, she has to put it back in order, you know, and every time I get my house, you know, my house in order, I get my house clean, and then, you know, a week or two later, we have to do the whole thing all over again because, you know, that's the way life is, that things get messy and things get ugly, and, you know, I can't rest on what I, you know, that I cleared away my anger at my father or when I was, you know, for leaving when I was seven and think that, you know, then I'm going to be perfect in my relationships now at 53, just because I admit that. It's all about a continuous process of looking at my actions and my part. I can't focus on what other people are doing or not doing or I think they should be doing or anything else. It's what is my part and what do I need to do to change? That's all I can do. And, you know, I would love to say that because I'm, you know, thin and a size four and everything fits in my closet, you know, those are just great things. I'm so happy about that. I, I do have a wonderful life. I have a wonderful marriage. I have, you know, children I love. And, and you know, I can go on and on with things I'm so grateful for. But that still doesn't mean that the ism of this disease isn't just lurking in the background, waiting to um, rear its ugly head. It's a daily reprieve based on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. And so this is, you know, then leads up to this next sentence or one of these sentences that said, they only thought they humbled themselves. You know, when I think I'm, so, I'm all that and I'm just the greatest person on this planet, that's when I need to fall back on my face, get on my knees and say, okay, God, I'm getting a little bit cocky here. What do I need to look at today? Show me. And, you know, <laughs> it never, there's never a perfect day. I don't have complete bad days anymore, but every moment of every day is not perfect ever. And if someone has found some magic formula to make that happen, you know, uh, that would be interesting, but I, it's, it's just not the case for me. I have to constantly be humbled and brought back to reality of I'm a broken person in need of a relationship with God. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what Deborah, we Deborah, may I speak? Hi, Deborah. Yes, Leah. And Leah. Good morning, Deborah. Good, oh, good morning, Vision for You. This is Deborah R. from... Michigan, and I am grateful to be on the line and 
hear these words again. And the one I got underlined on page 72, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. And I, too, was shaken in the boots my first uh, fifth step, which was about 30 years ago, um, when I came in in 1982 and got a sponsor eventually and uh, went through, she had me um, go to an AWOL group, A Way of Life, and we studied as a, um, not only she was my sponsor, but I studied with others the big book, and um, which was just the most, um, I'm glad I had that experience. And when it came to the fourth step, um, you know, didn't want to do it because I was old enough and intelligent enough that if I did four, I had to do five and then eventually nine. But I have learned and hope to guide others that, you know, we're not there. You know, we'll face that when we get there. And right now we're in step five. And for me to skip this vital step, we may not overcome, um, for me, my eating. And part of it is having these secrets. I mean, I'm sure I'm not, you know, it's kind of a cliche. You know, we're as sick as our secrets. And I know when I went in to do my fifth step with my sponsor, I too felt that, you know, after I read this to her uh, and shared it with her, I was going to be told, well, that's enough. I don't want to see you again. And I, you know, I go to meetings on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you go to OA, you go on the other days because, you know, you're just a piece of crap, Deborah. That's how I, you know, walked in there. That's honestly how I felt. And um, it was such a blessing to know that the only way out is through, and that's the first sponsor that taught me that phrase, and I dearly use it all these 30 years. The only way out is through. And with that, I actually, when I, um, you know, she didn't throw me out. She still never said anything like, don't you go to the meetings I go to and I never want to see you again. And just a sense like, my God, um, I'm not that horrible. I'm not the first one to have thought like that or did that mean thing or yelled at somebody. Um, And for me, this vital step, and we'll get to it as we keep reading in this, is that when I got back in my car, I can still feel and remember 30 years ago this significant feeling of my higher power embracing me. Um, I kind of came in with not much of a higher power and, and um, or personal relationship, but there was something beautiful about being able to give all that away to my sponsor and things that I used to dwell on and eat over and eat over. One simple example, I jumped up and down on my sister's bike um, when we were kids because she got a new one and she wouldn't let me ride it and I didn't get a new one. And many years I would just think of how horrible I was for doing that. When I went fast forward quickly and I'll end up, is that when I made my amends to her and told her I was sorry I did that years ago, she didn't even remember it. So some of the things that were on my list and held me hostage for years 
you know, other people don't even remember. And so I just encourage everyone to just write it down and give it away and and learn what freedom can taste like. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Leah, you're next. Thank you, Mel. Um, this is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. You know, obviously we're talking about step five here, and, uh, you know, I don't know about you and your disease, but I can certainly tell you guys about mine. Um, you know, I had this anxious apartness and was tortured by loneliness in my active addiction. So, um you know, it just kept me in very dark places. So step five, you know, um, where I'm going to bring out, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of a house that's, that's been uh, closed up, you know, for years. Imagine a house that's been shut up, you know, uh, where there's signs of decay and cobwebs and stuffy and stale odors and mold and mildew. And all of a sudden, you know, the doors are beginning to open and light is starting to come in. And when I sat across the table from somebody, um, you know, the walls of that apartness and and the um, loneliness that I was tortured by, it started to fall because I had been tortured by memories. I had these unresolved conflicts. I had these fears and this guilt and remorse. And I was continued, um, you know, I continued to be haunted by them. And what step five was, uh, was a process where it began to dismantle that false self that, um, those masks, you know, start to disintegrate those masks. That's exactly what the process was uh, was about, was a process of dismantling that false self and tearing down those masks that I had constructed in my attempts to cope with, with life, <laughs> to cope with life, you know, with life's difficulties and with my personal deficiencies and with unresolved conflicts and, and hurts that had occurred over years and years and years of living this way. So step five allowed for some light to start coming in. And, of course, I shared these things with a sponsor. Why with a sponsor? Because I could benefit from the full range of their experience. Because a recovered person, after all, um, who, who can better understand what I'm attempting to do than those who have done it themselves? You know, a recovered person is experienced in recovery. They've dealt with the matters that I was just beginning to face, and they have enough compassion to listen to these memories, to listen to these conflicts, to listen to the resentments and the fears and the conduct, and enough insight to help me keep the exact nature of my wrongs within my field of vision. They kept me very, very focused, very focused on what exactly are the barriers, Leah, that are keeping you from a relationship which you desperately need. And is this difficult? Of course, we all uh, shake in our boots a little bit. You know, this is no longer me against the food at this point in step five. This is me against me. This is revealing me to someone across the table from me and saying, this is who I am. This is the personality that I have developed on a life based on self-will run riot. Help me out here because my best thinking is killing me. And the question I had to ask and still have to ask every day is how free do I want to be? How free do I want to be? 
because freedom is not free. That is absolutely true. If we're talking about us in the pursuit of recovery or whether we're talking about our nation, freedom is not free. There is a price to pay for this freedom. Because the big book is telling me here, why is this necessary? Well, it's necessary because without this fearless admission of my defects to another human being, I am not going to stay abstinent. (laughs) I am not going to stay abstinent. The grace of God will not enter to expel my destructive obsessions until I am willing to do this. So once again, I'm pressed up pressed up into the steps and pressed up into the reality that I'm either going to have to choose between the pain of trying to implement these steps or the certain penalties of failing to do so. (laughs) What's my choice? There is no door number three. There is no door number three for people like you and me if you're a real compulsive overeater. The choices are always the same, either to continue to dig my fists into bags and boxes, eat myself into oblivion, and to madness and mayhem, or to pursue and to persevere, as the big book talks about here, persevere down this spiritual path, which is clearly defined by these steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And with that, that wraps up this meeting. It's the close of our meeting already this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared today, and we will now close with a reading from the big book, on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sylvia F. please read a vision for you? Hi, this is Sylvia, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.